Hi there, my name is Mubashra and this is Color Me PR Podcast. Join me for conversations with diverse women in communications who break the ceiling with what they can do. This podcast is all about being inspired and inspiring others. Welcome to our safe space. Maxine McDonald is a senior director at Media Profile and the co-founder and chair of Code Black Communicator Network and the Code Black Podcast, which is a resource for the advancement of Black communications professionals. Maxine, thank you so much for joining me for Color Me PR podcast today. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for inviting me. It's a real honor. So just taking a short look into your previous work, especially with the Code Black Network, I feel like we're already so connected in our mission and passion for equity, community building, and inspiring others. And we both completed the post-grad PR program at Centennial College. Um, Oh, amazing. (laughs) So I listened to a couple of your episodes on the Code Black podcast and listeners, please do check them out. I will link the podcast in my episode description below. And I realized that we do have a lot in common. I think we both sort of just fell into communications. My husband was actually the one that got me into communications and made me realize that I have the skills for PR and I've kind of been doing it for a long time and and it's something that might work for me and I've really enjoyed the field so far. And like my previous guests, Priya and Rohini, we started our education and, you know, our careers in kind of one place and moved to something else you know, ended up pivoting. So what is the story of how you fell into the PR world? Well, I started off from a really young age thinking that I wanted to be a lawyer. It was something that I, you know, as a child, high school and even into university, I thought I wanted to go to law school. And yeah, that was the career path that I saw before me. But I think what was helpful to me was I had the privilege of working in a couple law firms when I was in university and even in high school, actually, and spending that time actually in a law office and getting to see what the actual work was, it led me to understand that I think I had a very like romanticized (laughs) idea of of what um, being a lawyer actually meant and what it would look like. And Mm -hmm. I realized that I didn't think it was maybe the best, I was best suited for that profession the things that I enjoyed and the things that I didn't enjoy, I didn't really think aligned to, Mm -hmm. um, to that, to that career path. And so it left me in a place when I was in university where I really had a lot of anxiety around my future because for so long I had one perspective of what I was going to do. And now I realized I didn't want to do that, but I didn't have any other idea. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think maybe a bit kismet. I was speaking with a acquaintance at the time and she was actually in school for corporate communications at Durham College and was talking about what her course curriculum looked like and I thought oh that sounds kind of interesting Mm -hmm. and I was coming to the end of my undergrad and really felt like well I've spent four years and I've studied a lot but I don't really have any tangible skills there's nothing I can actually put on a resume and so I thought okay well maybe I'll go to college 
get something that I can say I know how to do this and I settled on Centennial and it was a approachable program in the sense that it was less than a year and after spending you know four years in my undergrad I wasn't really looking to do something much longer than that. I think I had the Um, same exact experience yeah. Right you're sort of like get me out of here (laughs) and I thought you know eight months I can commit to that and even if I don't want to have a career in communications, I'll at least have some skills that I can put on my resume. And I ended up really enjoying it and and got a a job relatively quickly after I finished my program at a PR agency. And I've been doing this ever since. Amazing. And I think that's an experience a lot of us can relate to. I feel like that, um, you know, college, university education time in the beginning, especially it's, you know, a chance for you to really figure out what you want to do. And Quite often, it's not what you're doing at that time. But, you know, that's the amazing thing I think about PR as well is that there's so many transferable skills that, you know, you can come into the industry having come from any background. You know, my previous guests had science backgrounds initially and then ended up in PR. And I had a liberal arts background and considering law before. So it's interesting how, you know, no matter what you're doing, there are so many transferable skills that are still useful for PR. Absolutely. So... You also, in your previous podcast episodes, you expressed that you didn't see a lot of representation in the communications field when you started, and you wanted to be able to build a network that would provide the inspiration and representation that you were looking for as a junior professional. And again, I think this is something that a lot of current junior communicators still feel, you know, this lack of representation to help make you feel like there's a place for you in this industry and to keep you motivated And I mean, that's part of why I launched this podcast as well. So why do you think it's important for junior communicators to have mentors that they feel like they can really connect with? And this part of why you are working with the Code Black Network? I think that it's important for junior communicators to see themselves represented within the industry because it's a point of encouragement. I don't necessarily think that if you don't see it, you can't be it, but I think it is definitely easier to imagine yourself in that space when you do see it and understanding that having those touch points along your career trajectory of people who look like you and can encourage you and be an example. I think it, it does a lot to build your confidence. I think one of the, downfalls of not seeing yourself represented in places is the loneliness and it is the added burden of feeling like you have to be all things mm-hmm. and the feeling that you when you are the only one it sort of rests on you to build and speak for the community and that's a lot exactly. of pressure for mm-hmm. for people so i think that for me it's really important that the community is reflected in the industry not Mm -hmm. just at junior levels, not just at mid-tier levels, but also in the C-suite. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're in that situation where you're the only, you know, you feel like you're the only person of color or one of few, what do you think communicators can do to help themselves feel more comfortable, not just recognizing that they're different and how they can use their diversity as an asset, but how to look at that as, again, as an asset rather than just a barrier? I think that's an important piece. One of the ways that I think I've often turned it around for me is that, well, if I'm the only one, then you definitely can't forget me. 
<laughs> you know, so Absolutely. I think that, you know, the fact that you do stand out rather than looking at it as a negative, owning that, that in a room full of, you know, hundreds of people, you definitely stand out and you're going to be automatically memorable. So, I mean, I think that that's one way that I've tried to change my perspective. I think the other thing is that giving yourself freedom to choose your battles when you are the only one it can feel like you need to address every issue and there is a real emotional and mental toll that that can take on you feeling like you have to address every microaggression Mm -hmm. you know every scenario you have to be the one to raise your hand and that's a lot of pressure to put on one person so uh, giving yourself that grace to choose your battles I think is really important for the long haul And I think it's important to communicate that as well. Like you mentioned, I think a lot of people don't realize the amount of emotional, mental strength and energy that it takes to cover these topics, to talk about Mm -hmm. equity and inclusion, Um, especially if you're speaking as a person of color. To share your experiences as well, it, it takes a lot. Just going back to what you said about being memorable, being the only one making you memorable. I've had such interesting experiences with that on both sides. I've had you know, even with something as simple as my name, I have a bit of a complicated name. So I often have to clarify how to pronounce it or what it is. And sometimes I get responses like, oh, that, that's beautiful. What does it mean? And I'll share, you know, it means glad tidings or, or good news. And, and that is easier for people to remember. But then sometimes I get responses like, oh, I'm not going to remember that. That's long. And that one is... <laughs> Surprisingly, mm-hmm. I get that one often, like, oh, that's, I'm not going to get that. You'll just have to keep reminding me. And mm-hmm. that one really upsets me because it's like, you know, it's not that much effort to take a minute to learn how to pronounce someone's name. So I really respect mm-hmm. when people take the time to ask, and you did as well. And I really appreciated that just to say, that's an interesting name. I, I've never heard that before. How do you pronounce that? And I try my best mm-hmm. to do that as well, to not assume right away that I know how to pronounce someone's name and just ask. Yeah, I think that that's a really interesting point. And, you know, I used to have the perspective that, you know, well, why do people give their kids such complicated names? (laughs) You know, you're making it harder for them. (laughs) But I think that that is really like colonial thinking. Mm -hmm. And I've re-educated myself. And I think that the onus is on people to learn how to say your name. And it Mm -hmm. is, I I actually think it's very disrespectful and offensive to say, well, I, I'm going to call you Mary. (laughs) You know, you're just going to have to, I'm never going to remember that. I think, yeah, that's not okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think for a long time, that sort of feedback has been normalized. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like a new wave of thinking where it's like, no, that's not okay. If you can learn how to say Tchaikovsky, then <laughs> you can learn some other things too. Absolutely. Especially in, a, in professional settings, I've seen that changing a bit now where I, I do get asked more often before anything else. Let's just clarify how to say your name, um, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. But, you know, I went through all of elementary school and high school just being like, hearing all the different yeah. variations of it and just be like okay sure I mean at some point you get pretty exhausted of correcting people as well and my siblings all have very simple names so I definitely had some resentment in the beginning a little bit but I genuinely do yeah. appreciate the meaning and I think it it helps me stand out so like you said you know using it as a point of positivity to make yourself special rather than to feel like it's what I guess creates barriers 
Yeah, I think that it's so important that we don't diminish ourselves. And that is, I think, one of the pressures of being the only one is you there there is often this pressure to to not stand out and to make it easier for everyone for you to be around and not to take up too much space and i think that is the exact opposite of what we should do and on the on the name um, topic i thought it was so i really wanted to applaud linkedin when they added that feature where you can now add a pronunciation key because i think that that you know that should be standard and people shouldn't have to simplify their names for other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the very first point of communication you have with someone, right? So I feel like getting that Mm -hmm. right really sets a tone for your communication going forward. Absolutely. I know for myself, launching this podcast was a way to also share my personal experiences and thoughts on equity and inclusion in PR and communications. Is that kind of you know, why you helped launch the Code Black Network and kind of what was your reason for launching the podcast and the Code Black Network? I know it's to create this community, but I feel like it's so essential. And you started this quite a few years ago and I'm just starting this brand new, but I feel like we're still having to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so much work to be done. There's so much work to be done, even with some of the changes or the new wave of thinking that we've seen in the past couple of years and even more recently with the BLM uprising, there's a lot of work to be done. And for me, Code Black, the network and the podcast really came from a place of love and wanting to create connections. I stumbled into communications and my eldest niece has just finished her diploma for PR and and communications. And I realized that, you know, she came to this industry because I was there and and I was representation for her. And and she would say to me, you know, auntie, a lot of my friends follow you on Instagram. And like, and I was like, why? <laughs> I'm a normal, like I'm an everyday person. I don't understand why your friends follow me and they want to meet me. And it was mm-hmm. very strange to me, but I had a moment where I understood. I was like, because I represent something to them. Mm-hmm. And that really was, I felt really honored. And with that, I also, it made me think, you know, within my career, in communications, I rarely saw other Black communicators. And the two other women that I started Cold Black with, I knew them because they were the two other Black women that I would run into sometimes at industry events. And it was sort of like, hey, Black girl, hey, Black girl. And I was like, this is so strange. Is it just us? And if it's just us, how do we change that? And if there are more more of us, like how do Mm -hmm. we create a community? Because there were conversations the relationships that I had with the two of them and the conversations that we started to have a few years ago were so helpful to me. They were really healing in a lot of ways because I had found a place where I could talk about some of the things that I had experienced, comments and things that I carried with me or, you know, you have a situation, you're sort of like, this person said this thing to me and it really felt, a, I really felt a way about it, but am I like reading too much into this? Did I like, am I seeing something wrong? And sometimes you just need someone to be there to validate your feelings. Cause often 
you are right in the way you mm-hmm. feel, but I think that part of being marginalized is this internalized self-doubt mm-hmm. that you kind of have. And so I really just wanted to create a safe space where people could have conversations and ask questions and find resources and find encouragement and share share opportunities and mm-hmm. that's really what it was about was creating a space for black communicators to connect and the mm-hmm. podcast became part of that because there were and still are there's a perspective that is often lacking in mainstream media mm-hmm. and you know, we would tackle subjects like H&M and, you know, their campaign with the little boy in the monkey t-shirt and how does this happen and what does it mean and what language is mainstream media using to describe incidents that are racist? Mm -hmm. Like, why aren't we calling things as they are? Or why is it that influencers of color are paid less or have less opportunities? Like, where do these conversations happen? And as communicators, as Black communicators, what is the perspective that we can bring to that? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think the long and short of it is really to create a space for us where there was none. It's amazing. And I think it's so important. And Again, I've listened to the conversations and they're so candid and honest and just real. And I really appreciate that because you're right. We don't hear that generally in mainstream media, that we have to be able to build those conversations. And for myself, especially while I was a student and even after launching this podcast, I often get asked, why did you do this? Or why is this important to you? And really, it's actually quite scary to put yourself out there and to talk about this stuff. It's a lot of, like you mentioned, pressure and emotional energy. And it's, you know, a little bit scary. But at the same time, I feel like if we don't have these conversations, we'll be missing a huge piece of the experience that women of color in particular have in communications. I've seen myself as well that even little things, you know, little microaggressions that happen in the workplace that ended up building up and sitting with you that you you don't forget and it you know it's it's good to have a community where you can share what's happening and where you can talk about how that needs to be changed and I think for me this podcast is similar in that sentiment of building a community and a safe space for conversation it's really what I'm hoping to do as well so thank you for inspiring me (laughs) and so before we sort of wrap things up There's one question I always ask my guests, and that's if there's one key message or action item that you'd like to leave with our listeners today, what would that be? I think that it's really, the thing that I think about a lot is the trend of diversity and inclusion. And, you know, it is I feel like a few years ago we started to hear DNI, DNI, mm-hmm. DNI. And, you know, in the last six months, it's grown like that voice has become louder. And I really worry that this will be a fad. But I think so for me, it's really like the the key message that I keep coming back to is like when I'm whether it's people who are are working in this space because they also are from a racialized community and, you know, they have a stake in the ground or it's organizations looking to make changes. It's like, we need to, the changes we need to make are not cosmetic, they're structural. 
Absolutely. And so the commitment needs to be long-term. So it, that is, that is really the thing. It's like, we're, we're not performative changes. <laughs> they're not going to help. And this is a really like deep rooted issue that took a very long time to, to set in. So it will take a long time for us to dismantle it. And we need to be, you know, there's a term, listen to black women. What we're saying is is absolutely important. Listen to people of color. And those changes also need to be led by the people who are most affected by them. Absolutely. So I guess, yeah, that's what I would really say. And I think that it's really amazing what you're doing. And I know that it can be very, very nerve wracking. And you wonder, like, how is it going to be received? But I think that these conversations are so important. And there is a lot of room for these conversations. And we need to keep having them. Absolutely. And on my end, that's the plan. Whether or not people start paying attention to DNI, I think you and I and many other, you know, women in our position will be working hard to keep the conversation going. Because like you said, it's it's so important for women of color and, and those who aren't for everyone. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. thank you again so much for joining me for Columbia PR podcast today and for sharing your experiences and insights on equity and inclusion in our industry. Is there anywhere that listeners can follow you or the Code Black Network online afterwards? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my social handles are all the same. It's Maxine Lorna. And you can find Code Black um, at Code Black CN on all the platforms and check us out specifically on LinkedIn and Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much, Maxine. Thank you so much and have a great one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Color Me PR podcast. I hope this conversation helped enlighten and inspire you about the value of diversity and inclusion in PR. If you're interested in keeping the conversation going, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow at Color Me PR on Instagram for updates. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to our next conversation.